We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Member FDIC. Uh, sorry. Craig literally Collect was, yourself. He was the man lets his hair go an extra four days, and now he can't even get himself back on track. I don't know what's wrong with the man. Craig, I was doing the math. It's been 39 days since my last haircut. Whoa. How, how are you, like, functioning? Listen, like, he's got, I mean, look, he's got the Hawaiian shirt on. It's unbuttoned an extra button. Like, things oh. are getting wild Let's, over there with the four extra days. Listen, is it the hair that's right here in the V, Kent? Is there, do they trim that as well? Is yeah, that why you're letting it breathe? That needs, you know, I don't know. I it's, it's vibes today. We're vibing. It's the summertime. We're having a good time. You know, I just, I was feeling it. Hair's heavy today, you know, because it's, it's been a few extra days. So I'm weared down a little bit. I'm getting tired. But uh, thanks to everybody that's hanging out with us. Appreciate y'all. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're it's peak summer here. We're going to talk about plenty of things, I'm sure, today. But thank you. Uh, please feel free to hit that like button, subscribe button. Please feel free to leave star a five-star review if you like this channel. Also, uh, just a heads up, you can uh, donate to the KCSN Golf uh, our KCSN Foundation Golf Tournament, there are raffles that you can enter into even if you aren't attending the golf tournament. There's some great prizes that you have the ability to uh, to get if you would so like to. Uh, there's a link in the description of this show where you can donate. But we appreciate everybody that has signed up for the golf tournament. Everybody that is uh, has has you know donated so far uh, really means a lot. Uh, Maddie Lane, hi. Hello. <laughs> I'm so ready for this July 10th uh, live show with a lot of stuff to talk about. Craig, you? Yeah, um, I'm actually just beside myself here. It, it, it was great. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, Sophia says I look like a character in the White Lotus. Uh, hopefully not the one that dies. <laughs> well, Get, uh, <laughs> never seen an episode of White Lotus. Don't know what it is. It's okay. Uh, you're not cultured. Am I uh, missing out? Yes. yes. Yeah. It's a it's a good show. It's a quality show. Very quality show. But uh, yeah. So we, I want to start off with this, and like obviously it feels a little bit belabored at this point with a lot of the DeAndre Hopkins talk, but I actually had a lot of takes from some of the stuff that kind of came out today. So if you haven't kind of followed up DeAndre Hopkins, despite two offers from the Titans and Patriots is waiting out teams, waiting to see if other teams can get involved in, in kind of drive up his value. That's kind of the report that we've seen to this point. Uh, This is from Mike Rice. Uh, just real quick, key points on where things stand with free agent wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, according to sources close to the situation, are as follows. The Tennessee Titans and Patriots have made an offer. The Titans have been more aggressive to this point, and Hopkins hasn't been in a rush to sign. One reason for Hopkins to wait a bit longer is to leave open the possibility of another team entering the mix, potentially increasing the market. I, All right, so... I have I it's it's so weird because like DeAndre Hopkins didn't have an agent early in earlier in the year. I, I think that's known by this. He didn't really have agency at the at this early in the year. Hired one to kind of help negotiate this stuff. There was a point where he was kind of negotiating his own stuff. Hired an agent. Since then it's been a lot of of, of agent speak. And I I don't know. Things don't add up entirely with this statement for me. Because I look at the, you know, I yeah, he's got two good offers, right? He's got these these great offers, but he's just waiting to see if he can squeeze a little bit of more money out of some teams. And I I just I don't know if he's I don't think he's waiting on the Chiefs to to begin negotiating because I think they can start having some level of conversation at this point. Or is he waiting out for them to just sign him? Like I I don't know. Like some things just don't add up entirely for me here. I don't know if you have any level, Maddie, of thought about this, but I have plenty of thoughts. Look, my thoughts on DeAndre Hopkins are the same now as what they've been. I think Craig and I may have happened to have answered this on 21 questions the last like eight times that we've done 21 questions together. So I feel like I've done a lot of DeAndre Hopkins talk here. It, it's the same thing. The longer this goes, the more confident I feel the Chiefs or the Bills would sign DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like he's fishing greatly for the Bills or the Chiefs to offer him the same amount of money that the Titans or the Patriots are willing to offer him. I think it's that simple. I think it's where we're at. I think he wants to compete, but the problem is he's looking around and seeing what a bunch of other veteran wide receivers that he thinks he's better than have gotten paid. And he says, well, no, I'm not going to take significantly less than that, but I still want to go to be on a contender. So I think he's kind of playing this game of chicken right now where he wants to play for a contender and he wants a certain level of cash. He's not getting that. He's not getting the cash he wants from a contender, and the teams that are giving him the cash he wants obviously will not be very good, and it's just a matter of where is he going to give? What's he going to give on? Is he going to give on his asking price, or is he going to give on the fact that he wants to compete for a championship? This is where we've been for like four months now. Nothing's changed. This is the exact same spot that we've been in, so I that that's all I got for it. I think the only thing that's realistically changed here is that he actually went and took visits. We now know that there are offers on the table from the Titans and from the Patriots. So we we know that there's money on the table there. So if he was just looking for a home, he's got one. Um, I'm also guessing that those two teams, 
probably put a little bit of extra money in front of him. I'm not guessing that he's flying to Tennessee to go, you know, meet with Mike Vrabel, meet with that offense in the hopes that, okay, well, maybe they're going to offer a contract that I'm going to like here. That's something that they definitely arranged beforehand. His agent wanted him to go and take those meetings, wanted him to go and be at those two places because obviously the money is good enough for him to get there on the table, which kind of leads to the rest of this, more going towards the contender. Those are driving the cost up. If he's got contracts on the table, he and his agents get to turn around and say, listen, Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, maybe. I don't know. They're they're doing crazy stuff with wide receivers this year. Yeah. <laughs> so any one of you teams, you've got to come up to this level. This is what I have on the table. I'm willing to play for these teams, but it's here. I would rather play for you, but you got to hit this level right here. And as it stands right now, none of the teams, none of the teams are balking at that number. The Chiefs are certainly not in a hurry. They, they were in a hurry. They get Chris Jones done tomorrow, but they're not going to speed up that timeline any more than they need to get a worse deal for them, for Chris Jones, to try and make this happen. So I think he's just sitting there. And just waiting for camp to happen, somebody to either get more desperate and put more money on the table, or one of these teams to sort out their cap situation enough to where he feels like he can sign with a contender. All right, so do either of you know off the top of your head how much cap space the Tennessee Titans have currently? Ooh, I do not. Okay. 8.6. Yeah, close. Like, real close. So good. Yeah, Cap expert oh, Maddie Lane. <laughs> Direct all of your salary cap questions <laughs> to Maddie Lane. It's his favorite part of the offseason. Yeah, do it on my threads. Find me on threads and do it there, please. $8.3 million in cap space. So let's just, if the reports are true that the Tennessee Titans have the best offer currently for the for the services of DeAndre Hopkins, we can make some assumptions. We can say, it's a one-year deal that's probably not particularly great. It's a one-year deal that is of the structure of Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> meaning lots of void years at the end. That's what Ken's meaning. Right yeah. There. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I probably should play. <laughs> yeah, they add four void years and spread a $10 million signing bonus mm -hmm. across four years to help facilitate that. Or it's a multi-year deal for DeAndre Hopkins, the Tennessee Titans. Or, or you know, or I, I looked, I was looking at their cap. I don't think there's a ton of great places for them to, to move a ton of money right now. Like it didn't seem like there's a bunch of guys that they're really trying to restructure right now. And they're in a rebuild. I don't know. I well, I don't well, maybe they're not. I don't know why they try to sign the DeAndre Hopkins if they were. They're in a weird, they're not good. Uh, that's they're just not good. That's that's what it is. Um, so you look at that, you can kind of make those deduct. So maybe some deductive reasoning there. Maybe the deals aren't particularly strong for him right now, uh, which I think is benefiting the chiefs too, or the bills. I don't know what he, like if he holds out beyond the Chris Jones extension, I feel very intrigued by the idea that he could be a chief. And I've, I've maintained this, the longer it draws out, higher probability things go up of him of him eventually signing with the Chiefs. But man, I I don't know. Like it doesn't seem like things are totally adding up for me 
like even just the uh, the, the 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 timing of news there's like oh the the the, the t- uh, a new team needs to get introduced so it drives the value up on maybe the titans and the patriots maybe he's trying to get good money from the titans and the patriots to come back back to the chiefs and say see here here's the deal or the bills or whoever it is you know it maybe behooves him to wait until the chiefs get involved but if there was a contract worth signing for him right now i don't know and if a contender was really trying to be aggressive beyond the chiefs i don't think they would be waiting for the Chiefs situation to be done and that's the thing i'm paying attention to if the bills were really intent on getting something done with new hopkins why haven't they yet mm-hmm. why are they waiting the chiefs out and that's why it kind of comes back to me wondering is new hopkins waiting the chiefs out that's kind of what it feels like not saying it's a a lock that he's a chief or he will be a chief or anything like that. It just, when I look at timing and why all these teams are desperate to try to chase the chiefs, all these teams are, I mean, these are two AFC teams that have already put offers on the table. Like, yeah, you got two teams, two AFC teams with offers on the table. We know the bills, the bills have been floated as a potential name. All these teams are desperate to try to beat the Kansas city chiefs. And they're not being aggressive and trying to get something done before the Chiefs can clear some cap space. Like there has to, the Chiefs have to be in some kind of consideration somewhere in this process. It feels like, and maybe it's leverage. Maybe that's all it is. But the Chiefs are being accounted for in some capacity with this De- DeAndre Hopkins situation. I mean, I think it's I think it's pretty clear that DeAndre Hopkins is at least interested in playing with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that's a particularly big secret. That's something that is on his mind. I think the same can be said for him with the Buffalo Bills and uh, Josh Allen, right? So I, it's also July. He's, you're not going to get teams in a bidding war in July. It's just simply really not going to happen. Best case scenario for him, you know, for like getting paid more money is you go to training camp, someone gets hurt, and then a team gets desperate. But Good teams aren't going to have a surplus of money sitting around once training camp starts. Good teams spend their money. Good teams don't go into the year with a lot of extra cap space because you need to use that money to be good. So like the long, I get the point of maybe waiting this out a little bit, but at the same time, like the longer he waits, even if he wants to go to a good team and is you know maybe going to get an injury, you're running out of time and or money and or teams that are going to be good that have that cap space. So I don't know. I feel like he's losing leverage. I think he's kind of waited a little bit too far into this now and now it's either like i said he's gonna have to settle hard for getting paid more money which it sounds like he's got offers on the table that he's reasonably okay with or he's gonna have to settle for way less money for a team that might contend problem is if you keep waiting any longer these teams that might contend are gonna go solve that that prop that answer somewhere else they're gonna go find that answer with somebody not named deandre hopkins they're gonna get in the training camp and be like fine we're going to run with what we have and we don't want to mm-hmm. teach you or let you get caught up to speed. If you're going to keep dragging your feet, I can't promise the chiefs aren't at that point already. That's a team that doesn't like to go into the season with questions. I don't think they're going to sit around and just keep waiting forever. Or, or they all feel good about where they're at with that conversation. And that's why like, that's where I look at like all of what you just said is maybe they feel good about the conversation that they're having there, you know? And that's because you can, I mean, they can talk to me, Andre Hopkins this whole time. They could be talking to DeAndre Hopkins this whole time. There's nothing keeping them, even though they don't have the cap space. They just can't execute. And that's the that's where that's where I, I just reading between the lines, I think there's a path to it making a lot of sense that he's having these conversations in some capacity with the Chiefs. Not that he will necessarily 100 percent sign, but like I think you can I think you can forge a it's not even forge. I think you can see the path 
to how the Chiefs are involved in some capacity in this conversation. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Thanks, everyone, hanging out. Please feel free to leave a five-star review. Helps us grow the channel. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Donate to the KCSN Foundation Golf Tournament Enter in to win some raffle prizes. I think we have some Nick Bolton memorabilia, Travis Kelsey memorabilia. There's a holiday uh, package, gift KCSN holiday package. There's all kinds of great stuff. So there's a link in the description. There's a It's like a week and a half away or two and a half weeks away. We're getting really, really close to the uh, to the golf tournament. All the uh, all the raffle announcements will happen at the golf tournament, but obviously you don't have to be present to get there. You can enter the raffle, uh, and and that'll that'll be all good there. So, uh, okay, so we're getting really close to training camp. Oh, by the way, during the KCSN golf golf tournament, there are also like training camp will have started already too. Uh, we want to start kind of talking about that a little bit because it's worth talking about. Um, some offensive camp battles that we're kind of maybe looking forward to to looking at and some, some players and stuff that, you know, we're all kind of excited to watch. So Maddie, you have the floor, my friend. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Wasn't ready Mm. for this. Yeah, I know. you. Okay. I would like to see the running back battle for running Mm. back three between Clyde and Lair and Daenerys Prince. Um, I think a lot of people thought Clyde was going to be traded at some point in time this offseason or that the Chiefs were going to move on from him at some point to create more space to open things up for one of the young guys. And there's been a lot of hype about Prince throughout this offseason, throughout the whole process leading up to it. And it's easy to see why. So now you go into camp and training camp isn't necessarily the best place for a running back to show out, but you can start to see who has an idea of the offense, how they foresee some of these guys being used in the passing game. And I just generally want to see where these reps are coming from for Prince. Is he eating into some of these reps with the second team? Is he getting some first team work? And how does that compare to Clyde? I think we all know Pacheco is going to be a starter. As long as Jarek McKinnon is healthy, he is going to be one of your primary, if not your primary third down back. How does it kind of flush out behind him? So yeah, I'm a little excited for that because I'm excited for generic Prince, just like everybody else, but, we got we can't forget that Clyde Zilaire has always been a quality, you know, productive overall running back. He belongs in the NFL mm-hmm. on a roster, despite what you know, 
the hate he gets from some fans. He belongs on a roster, so like Prince has to beat him out. Yeah, I think everybody's so quick to move on from Clyde, which if the Chiefs decided, hey, listen, last year the deal, we didn't pick up the option. Somebody wants to offer a decent pick for him. We'll take it. You know, I, I, I can see an avenue towards them trading Clyde Edwards-Alaire for a good oh. enough pick. I mean, nothing's, yeah, nothing's keeping nothing's them changed. from trading them still, yes, potentially. Absolutely. I'm not I'm not advocating or saying it's going to happen, but yeah, it's yeah. still in the realm of possibility for sure. But that remains the thing that when healthy, Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been RB1 for this team, has been the first choice guy every single year since he's been drafted. Now, you can tell, you look at the rest of the running back rooms behind him and just be like, yeah, of course he was. But he was, and he has gotten plenty of reps. I think we all remember games where Clyde was good. I think that people just get very hung up on the fact that he was a round one running back that isn't utilized in the past game. Like we all kind of hope that he was going to be and has lost some of that burst and athleticism with injuries. Remains to be seen. Is he going to recapture some of that? Because if he does... Once again, he could be a guy that was on pace for 1,300 yards in his rookie year. That was still a, an extremely positive year for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm not saying that that's automatically going to happen, but I think we are very rapidly moving to the point where we're all very much underestimating what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can do in this offense just because everybody's so ready to move on in that running back room. Yeah, I don't think any of the conversation on this show was ever about Clyde Edwards-Alaire being cut, ever. If you can find it, I, I don't think that's ever been our stance or conversation. He he seemed to possibly be a trade chip on the last year of his contract. Here's the funny thing. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, his rookie year, played 13 games, 803 rushing yards, 297 yards catching, uh, averaged 4.4 yards per carry. Last year, he averaged 4.3 yards per carry. Uh, he set a record in yards per reception and receiving touchdowns last year. Uh, yeah, yeah he averaged 4.3 yards per carry. Like this, he's not too far removed, and in some capacity, he had a you know better. He had a better. He had a career year as a pass catcher last year. He had a average at his standard year on the ground last year and he was the starter heading into the season like it's a trade asset more than it is a cut candidate i think clyde edwards lair is firmly in the mix but i'll tell you what i i think he's involved in the offense i also i, I could see him still being traded if they if they don't but also guess what i think generic princes make this roster anyway i think they're keeping four like I, I know, like there's gonna be. I think there's a battle for the, you know, for opportunity. But this team has has liked to keep running back inventory. And if you look at the running back room, I don't blame them for grabbing four because you got Isaiah Pacheco, who just is coming off a couple injuries, and he runs like he has no regard for his body. I mean, every run looks like Taker throwing Mick Foley off hell in a cell. Like <laughs> he's just he just has no regard for his body. Jarek McKinnon. His injury report reads head, shoulders, knees, and toes. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire hasn't been able to complete the last two seasons. So there's a lot of guys that have injury issues, and this team has shown a propensity to try to keep inventory in the running back room recently. I think there's a decent chance all four of them. 
wind up making this roster. I don't know. Do you, any pushback on that, Matthew? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think the problem is not problem, but I think one of them will obviously not be dressed for game day. If you have all four <laughs> of them, like that's kind of like what I'm trying to get a, a general idea on, um, when I'm going into camp. And this is a pretty good question. Since we're talking about Clyde, I wanted to go ahead and answer it here from uh, Sophia and you know, good friend, uh, Nate Ty says that he doesn't think that the chief's running scheme is necessarily ideal for Clyde or Zilaire. And just was wondering if we would, you know, elaborate on that. And I think for me, I think a lot of it just comes from how much kind of zone the Chiefs have run and the fact that when you go back and find when Clyde was at his best, which has come at LSU, it was his ability to duck in and out of double teams from that LSU offensive line. He was able to use his short area agility, his ability, you know, quick decision making, good enough vision to where he could duck in and out behind these double teams, kind of get up into the hole quickly press on the back of his blockers before having to make that final cut and then go somewhere. So he's, and you go back and look, some of his best runs for the chiefs do come on these gap kind of runs do come when he is able to tuck himself in behind some of these double team blocks or get behind his offensive linemen rather than patiently pressing the hole like you have to, or the line of scrimmage, like you have to in zone coverage, reading out the entire defense and then making a lot of hard cuts from essentially a standstill position or a very slow pace comparatively across the formation. I think he struggles a lot more with the zone stuff. And while the chiefs have gone to more power run scheme stuff lately, they started to incorporate more. That's not the basis of their run game. They just, they mix it in. And I just don't think that's where Clyde has necessarily excelled. Is it a, a team that is going to base most of what they do out of zone. And I, I think a lot of the translation that we looked at with Clyde was centered around the inside zone stuff, because everything he did between the tackles, his inside zone runs at LSU were pretty good, but he was just phenomenal on duo runs between the tackles. So you were looking at that and you were hoping that that sort of would translate to an inside zone scheme. Then you look at all the outside zone stuff that Andy Reid wants to run, loves to run. That's not him at all. And frankly, it's not Pacheco either. I mean, it's not either one of those guys. That's more of a Jet McKinnon. That's more of a maybe even a generic Prince, you know, but it was certainly. Now, the, for Pacheco, yeah. it the, it does work, though, because when he does hit it right, it oh, matters, yeah. because, no, it matters. Of, because of how hard he hits the mm-hmm. hole, right? But when Clyde hits an outside zone hole correctly, it, it doesn't have the same pop, right? So it's inconsistent. And then when Correct. he does hit it, it doesn't equate to anything. At least Pacheco, it might still be inconsistent, but when he hits it, it matters. Fair. Yes. Sorry. I'm, 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 no, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. But like, I think look back at what the Chiefs run scheme was with Damian Williams for the longest time under Andy Reid. It was just constantly, hey, we're going to keep trying to hit this outside zone over and over and over. And he might be at 1.7 yards per carry but he's going to break that one for 80 yards and boost all of that up. Andy Reid was more than comfortable setting up the pass with the run game, setting up play action stuff, and just more than happy to keep running the ball in those outside zone looks, even without success. And that's still what he wants to do because it fits so nicely with a lot of the West Coast concepts, a lot of the vertical ability there. If you are forcing the safeties, if you are forcing everybody to cover so deep vertically, and I mean, it's something that every coach is trying to do here, all these good offensive minds, you're trying to force them to cover every blade of grass. And if you're forcing everybody to cover deep, cover vertical, 
and you are stretching them horizontal, that is impossible for a defense to do if you've got competent players that can do both of that. So I can understand Nate looking at this from a schematic standpoint saying Andy wants to get vertical. Andy wants to have this horizontal element. Clyde doesn't really offer that in the same way that you would hope that he would fitting into this offense. Uh, I One thing I've been kind of thinking about with the running back room a little bit is and it's kind of weird because they took Clyde, right? Mm-hmm. I think about the weight, speed, power running backs that maybe don't have great vision keep finding success in Kansas City. Damien Williams, Isaiah Pacheco, and now they what do they do? They go grab a weight, speed, power, maybe not the great vision running back in a drafted free agency. Like I feel like they and that's I mean it's worked really well on some of their outside zones outside zone stuff. Like that's really where they've had a lot of success. It's just I it is it is interesting. Like, you know, they they still lean on that a little bit and they found big physical bat backs that run with their hair on fire. And that's been kind of the model for them. So it Clyde does your Clyde doesn't fit that prototype either of what they've typically found success with in recent memory either. So I don't know. Quickly for reference, Clyde in college ran 223 zone runs according to pro pro football focus and 144 gap runs. So that's his entire college career. You're looking at over half were gap scheme runs and you look at with the chiefs, it's 284 zone to 111 gaps. Like it's a much, much bigger gap there, much bigger variety. No pun intended there. Kent. Uh, And if you even look throughout his career with the chiefs the difference from zone to gap runs has actually gotten closer and closer each and every season going into this last year where it was 40 to 30 essentially so it's just the chiefs have seemed to realize where he's better and it also goes to showcase you know their shifting of their run game but i just i think it matters it matters for him and for them the type of runs he has also i would be amiss we're talking about clyde he hasn't been the same since his hip injury. Like mm-hmm. the guy was never the most athletic running back in the world, but there you could tell watching him at LSU or even pre hip injury in the NFL to now, I think he lost a little bit from that hip injury his rookie year. And I think that matters as well. It does. It does. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, we're going to take a break. I was, I was just going to follow up with all the things we said there kind of derisive towards Clyde. And yet, still incredibly functional within the Chiefs offense. They find ways to make that work. So, yes, we can sit here. We can talk about the way that he doesn't fit, and I don't disagree with what Nate's saying there. And yet, Andy Reid will figure out a way to maximize him, make him a really good player within this scheme. Yeah, best years in the passing game he's had from a, you know, per target, you know, perspective. And three touchdowns. Put the ball in the end zone three times. All right, now we can take a break. And be back. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. After this. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's your best joke in a long time. It was. It was. Hey, hey, more of that. Less of the other BS that you did. Please. Nick didn't even let me get into a joke on the transition. He's just like, nah, we're good. We're going to cut well, it off. You know, we may have paid him to do that. I, yeah, I could see that now. Uh, I, I can kind of get that. Uh, it's okay. I want to talk a little bit about the receiving room here. You know, it, there's, some, there's some talented dudes. 
there's you know some fan favorites in the receiver room. There's some potential value signings. I think you know when I'm looking at, you know when I'm looking at the the Justin Rosses and the Richie James of the world. I feel like those are the two big names that I mean, if we're being honest, Marquez Valdez Gantling, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, locks, Rasheed Rice, lock, Justin Watson, pretty locky. I mean, I think we've talked about this too. I think Justin Watson is a lock, even if he's not seeing the field offensively as much because he is a high level special teams player, a core special teams player. His role might pivot a little bit more because. And this is where the conversation gets interesting. Justin Ross, Richie James, or both. The the competition in the bottom for six receivers, seven receivers, like those two, Justin Ross and Richie James, I feel like are the two guys that are really fighting for for an opportunity there. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, I also don't think that you could rule out an Amir Smith Marset or uh Nico Remigio just for a return role, right? Like we're talking about mm. the I mean, we're looking at this, I guess, the Richie James spot more likely, but even Justin Ross as well. One of those guys is probably going to be another returner and a special teams player. So if Smith Marset or Nico are willing to take in take on that challenge and just be that guy, that also puts them into contention, even if they might not be as good of a wide receiver as a Richie James or Justin Ross. So yeah, the entire wide receiver room is gonna be interesting. Uh I do think that just, I agree with you that Justin Watson is pretty close to a lock. Just not that he got enough guaranteed money that they can't cut him, but he got enough guaranteed money that they wanted him. I think that's, that's more of the reason like you can cut him. Yes, but there was probably no reason to pay him that much money unless you really wanted him around and wanted to make sure they got him. So I feel like he's pretty close as well. And then, yeah, I mean, do the chiefs keep six wide receivers? Do they keep seven? They haven't really done seven before. And seven seems like the only real path to get, you know, fan favorite Justin Ross on the team while still adding enough bodies to to fulfill Dave Tobe's special teams requirements. Like, how, how are they going to play this out? I mean, I want to make sure that we all know Richie James has a ton of NFL returning experience. He has 75 punt returns in four years and 47 kick returns. That man is a punt returner, kick returner. Like he is. He he has a lot of experience doing that. If you wanted to tell me that this team looked at this wide receiver room and said, we're not having KT take any more abuse on his body at punt returns, even though he was good at them. I think we all remember. We don't know that we t- trust Sky more to do that. We want him to focus on being a wide receiver. And we were kind of forced to put Justin Watson back there and just basically have him fair catch more or less for much of the back half of the season. You want to tell me that all of a sudden they went out and they targeted Richie James and they're just saying, Hey, listen, whatever you bring to the table as a wide receiver, fine, whatever you're going to be our primary punt returner, kick returner. That is your real role within this team. Now, the fact that they had him on the roster and the fact that they had him in camp, in mini camps, working with Patrick Mahomes, and then went out and made sure to add a John Ross, made sure to add a uh, Justin Watson, made sure to add some of these other veteran wide receivers, doesn't make me think that he's just like a lock for a returner by any means here. But he certainly has the experience and it might give him that leg up that we talk about all the time. The bottom of that wide receiver room is such heavy special teams influence. I know we, oh, it's Dave Tobe. He gets what he wants. 
at that point, wide receiver seven, you are so infrequently getting any sort of actual wide receiver production out of that role. It better be a guy that can contribute on special teams. Uh, no return, no kick returns for for uh, for Richie James last year. Did have twenty four punt returns. Only yes. had six punt returns his last year in San Francisco. Uh, Sky Moore had about fourteen punt returns last year, so a little bit of a heavier workload from from a return game perspective than Sky Moore. Do you, all right, see, I, I, Maddie, you did say something interesting. You think seven receivers is the only path for Justin Ross to make this team? Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I do because they're to the point here, you're going to have some special teams plays. Kadarius Tony is maybe going to return some punts, but that's about it. MVS isn't playing special teams. Sky Moore only returned punts. And I mean, whether he's doing that again or not, he's only going to be a returner, right? There's nothing else there. There's and Rasheed Rice, maybe they'll work him in as a special teams player, like a gunner or a vice or something. But like you have three to four wide receivers that aren't playing special teams at all. So you got to look at, Justin Watson's probably getting on there for just purely special teams. Mm-hmm. Richie James, we talked about the returning. He played over a hundred, you know, punt, like special team snaps, not including returns at both with at both years with San Francisco before playing 60 and then a, a little over 60 again with the Giants this last year. Like he's played on special teams, not as a returner. That gives him another boost to be out there. But Justin Ross isn't playing special teams. The guy's got a fused neck. It doesn't mean to be a bad thing. He's got a fused neck. Are you going to trust him to run down the field and tackle somebody at full speed? So how do you find a spot for Justin Ross when your top four wide receivers aren't playing special teams and then Justin Ross isn't? You're going to have one wide receiver that gives you special team snaps? That just doesn't seem to make sense to me. That's why you keep four tight ends. I mean, it is why you keep four tight ends. Those guys are going to have They don't have a fullback either, though. That's true. What do you talk about? We talked about him already. Jarek McKinnon. He played it in the Super Bowl. Everybody don't he, take that seriously. I <laughs> he, I will say, man made some big plays blocking. Sure, sure. in the Super Bowl. But, I, yeah, he's not a fullback. He, look, they need on, to protect. They need to put him in bubble wrap until like January, December, January. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that. And I really like the way. All these guys that we're talking about, I like the blend of sizes that they have on that roster. I think we all look at like Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, a little bit smaller guys there. You've got Rasheed Rice, who's a little bit bigger guy. NVS, who's a little bit bigger guy. Justin Rutz, who's a significantly bigger guy. And then Justin Watson, Richie James. These guys are all guys that can line up and do a lot of stuff for this offense. So I don't know that it's a bad choice. If you wanted to tell me that Justin Watson is going to line up and play a lot of slot reps for this team, and he's going to play a lot of special teams, you're going to get great blocking out of the slot still. Like that's what's going to happen. MBS is going to block his ass off on the outside. And so is Rasheed Rice. The man kind of loves to block. That's a good group to line up and still be able to throw some of these bubble screens, still be able to run some of the outside zone stuff that we've been talking about. It's a good group. So I don't know that I look at the bottom of this roster. I'm very curious to see how it works out in training camp, but I don't know that I look at the bottom of this roster and I say unequivocally that if Justin Watson is on this roster, I'm upset because I don't know that I am. With the current construction of the room, I would completely understand all of it. I see how he contributes. Again, maybe not always as a wide receiver, but in the other facets of the game that make a lot of sense for what Andy Reid, Matt Nagy, Patrick Mahomes want to do with their offense there. It makes a ton of sense. So 
I'm on board. I want Justin Ross on this roster. I'm also not going to be just beside myself if he gets passed over for some other guys that could do some of these other things. It's and I I like Justin Ross for the record. I just it always is interesting to me how like we look at like we spend all summer talking about Justin Ross, right? Every like again, tw- Twitter is blowing up about Justin Ross. Not to be fair, he, he you know he hurt his foot. But I, it is funny to me, like they we we get all excited about Justin Ross, but you have to find a path for it to for for the math to work. And so it's like it's it's you're right. It, you can't be like, oh, I'm really excited to see Richie James and Justin Ross. It may not be both. Like it's gonna take a lot of finagling to make it work for both to be on this roster or injuries. Like you know, there's always you know that that the injuries could come into play at some point, right? Like there could be that as well. But it's hard. It is hard to to find space for all these guys. They've they've built inventory at the receiver position. They've built inventory at the tackle position. Well, depending on what you classify <laughs> as a tackle. Because it's kind of a lot of guys that, you know, like the conversation about Darian Kennard, where is he? Lucas Niang, is he a right tackle only sub? You know, like the 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 backup offensive line like we all know that the front offensive line is set the competition for the back uh the, for the for the for the the second string offensive line i i don't know where it could go because it kind of just seems like a collection of talent with a lot of really quality tackles that can kick inside or maybe maybe can kick inside we don't know yet <laughs> I, it's wild. I, I I see very tackle heavy roster construction, and you're probably guessing a couple of these guys can and will be playing along the interior at some point. I I mean I guess I I wouldn't I don't know if there's the same collection of talent at the tackle position as I would say that there is the wide receiver position. I feel like the sure. wide receiver. Yeah, is don't very, give me don't give me. Yeah, deep. I'm not like okay. Right. I you're I right. feel a lot a lot less confident that the Chiefs are. Um, going to have to leave what could be a quality offensive tackle off of the roster. <laughs> well, it, uh, let me, let me, let me, maybe I should clarify a little bit. I look at this roster and I see guys because, like, you're right. Like, I have my questions about a lot of these guys. I look at Darian Kennard, Lucas Niang, Prince Tigo Winogo, three guys that they have kept around in some cases for multiple years. And it just along with oh by the way they signed Wanye Morris and Donovan Smith and, and Jawan Taylor but you know like it just feels like there's just a logjam of guys that they've been willing to keep around in years prior and that's I mean, what's I interesting feel to me pretty confident that Kennard is an interior offensive lineman um for the Chiefs like I feel pretty good about that one the the others yeah no I mean for sure that I think Wanye Morris and Lucas Niang and Prince Tiga Winogo are all offensive tackles like that's your offensive tackle depth I just don't know exactly what what they're competing for I guess like I think they're kind of set in stone there like I don't know if there's a lot of competition to to go around like maybe Wanye Morris and Lucas Niang are battling it out to see who is the third offensive tackle the swing tackle and maybe they'll both play on both sides or. Lucas Niang might be your right tackle and Wanya Morris might just be your left. And it might just be that simple. It might just be as simple as those are your backups directly at those positions. Maybe they move guys around if there's a long-term injury. I don't, I I'm intrigued to see what the offensive tackle room looks like. I just don't know if there's a position battle in the offensive tackle room that I'm overly interested in. Cause I think it's pretty clear cut. I, yeah, 
yeah, I, I agree with the majority of that there. I, the interior is what it is. Like I, I Nick Allegretti's here. Darian Kennard's here. Austin Ryder's here. I think those guys are pretty much roster locks at you this think, point. Okay. Well, yeah. okay. Well, but okay. So this is where, this is where I, I don't know if Austin Ryder is a lock. Austin Ryder wasn't a lock last year. Austin Ryder yeah, wasn't on okay. the roster last year. Sure. Sure. But he's just, they he's had, just they had a backup practice. center that they trusted. And, but this is okay. So I'm just going to, I'm going to give you four names. Okay. I'm going to give you four names. Wanya Morris, Nick Allegretti, Darian Kennard, Lucas Niang. If those are your backup offensive linemen, how do you feel about just your flexibility and your ability to make mix and match of a couple injuries go? Like that's what's that's what's kind of interesting to me is like, okay, I, uh, Darren Kennard's only been playing guard for a year at most. Lucas Niang, uh, Wanye Morris is a rookie left tackle potentially, and Nick Allegretti's like clear cut your best backup lineman right now i think at least along the interior it just doesn't feel like a it just doesn't feel like the typical andy reed offensive line room if those are your four like how do you feel craig if that's your four i'm just i mean i, I feel fine like i really do feel fine i do think that this offensive line with juan taylor playing at right tackle is going to be really strong at four positions like really strong at four positions now you've got guys that are out there that can back him up. Lucas Niang is a backup right tackle. Sounds great. Like, I, I'm on board with that. Nick Allegretti is a backup interior offensive lineman. I love that. I really do. And Darian Kennard, see what you got for another year. I'm fine with taking that swing. Prince Tiga Winogo, you know, we'll, we'll see. And then you got Wanye Morris over there at the left tackle. I, I love all of that. Like, that all makes sense to me within Andy's structure here. It really does. So I'm I'm fine with that group as it stands. But I, I, I there's just some contention over what's the future? Where is that developing? Who's going to be there? What moves are they going to make after this? Have they insulated themselves well enough? It, you know, it's, it's future problems that we're discussing here a little bit, but it is something that I feel like from a depth perspective, I don't know if there's a ton of battles there other than maybe how they shift between OT3 and OT4. I don't know that maybe OT5, OT6 is going to catapult into this. I mean, like, Chuck Webuka Godric is not going to be all of a sudden an active roster guy. I think he's a very strong practice squad contender, but I don't think that he's going to show up and just be a guy that automatically catapults into the 53. <laughs> I just I, didn't they the didn't they go into last year with Prince Tiga, Nick Allegretti, Darren Kennard, and Gary and Christian as their backup offensive Correct. linemen? Like yes. I think I feel better about this year's mm. group than last year's. Like yeah. I, I mean I, so yeah, I, I don't know. The offensive line, I'm intrigued to see what it looks like because I do have questions. I just don't know if my questions are a specific position battle going on between them just because, yeah, I think it's Nick Allegretti is your backup, your first interior offensive line and backup. He's going to be the first guard coming into either side and he's going to be your first center that you're going to call in if you need a center. It seems like Kennard is kicking into a guard as well in case you need him to step in there. And then, yeah, how does the Lucas Niang, Wanye Morris battle shape out? Is it a sides thing or is there a clear cut sixth offensive lineman, a tackle that's stepping in no matter what? Like there's there's stuff there. It's just, yeah, I don't even know if it's a position battle for me. So it's I, it'll be interesting to monitor. 
I think battle is probably not the right word for the offensive line. I'm just very interested to see how it, how the shuffle looks because we haven't had a good look at Lucas Niang and he hasn't looked great since he got here. Darian Kennard didn't look great at tackle moved inside the guard. What does that mean? Allegretti set in stone. And then you got a rookie left tackle, just a lot of, I mean, they probably, they know, they know the chiefs. know. I don't. And that's what's that is more like it's just it's all over the place to me. It just kind of just like guys moving around and we are going to rely on you, even though we haven't had to rely on you, maybe necessarily the same way we have. Just it's just a unique little roster construction. Now, to be fair, Austin Ryder probably gonna be on the practice squad again like he was last year. Yeah. So you're gonna have some support right there. Another name I'm keeping an eye on, Jerome Carvin out of Tennessee. Hmm. The I think he's a guy that could you know compete, and they've they've kept around a guy like Mike Caliendo before too. So I like Caliendo actually. I liked him yeah. in the last last year's preseason. Yeah. Um, I think he's a a little bit of a not a sleeper like make the roster or anything, but like I think if you wanted to, if I would picking somebody to maybe be an Allegretti going forward, if he does finally get paid next year, he's a guy I do have my eye on. I actually, think he's I think he's pretty good for that exact kind of role. Um, I, we're kind of I don't know if there's a position battle, but. Do we think there's any t- anything any drama going on at tight end? Do we think Blake Bell or Jody Fortson are going to get pushed by a Kendall Blanton or a Matt Bushman at all? Especially under the concept that you know, people got to take fullback reps, right? Like mm-hmm. somebody has to take some fullback reps. You want to tell me that Kendall Bland, they see him as a very good blocker, somebody that they could probably use on the move a little bit more as a lead blocker. Like I can buy into the concept there. So do we think that there is any kind of competition going on there along the tight end room? I mean, Matt Bushman is a all pro waiting to happen. I think we all know that from watching him in camp Shout last out Tuck. year. Shout out Tuck, one of Tuck's favorite dudes. Matt Bushman looked good in camp last year. I'm not gonna lie, he he did, and he had moments in games. But that's not a guy. I don't look at Matt Bushman. I'm like, he's very clearly deserving of one of the top four tight end spots on this team now. Practice squad, absolutely. Keep keep him in the holster. But, yeah, I, I don't think that any one of these guys is supplanting one of those top four in the current roster construction. Yeah, I think you might be able to sneak Kendall Blunt on the practice squad. Hmm. I think that's I think that's where he's going to be. And, like, if you, you break in case of emergency. It'll be interesting. You know, like, everyone's always like, oh, how many guys are going to get plucked? And and rarely do guys ever really. Yeah, they don't. It's really not that many dudes that are getting plucked from other teams. The Chiefs practice squad could be very salty. Like, compete with the Raiders salty. Uh, anything? What, does, what did Blake Bell get signed for? Is there no? Do we? Uh, there no it, it's like do? vet signing bonus, I believe. I believe yeah. it was a BSB. I know he was hurt last year. Signing so that NBA get, contract, I heard on twenty one. We questions. didn't get to see a lot, right? Like because he was injured. It's just you know, he's the one guy that I would be considering that would be maybe on the roster bubble for one of these other tight ends, especially if they are leaning to that. I just he's just the one guy I looked at. I think last year we all talked a lot about how good Blake Bell was this team and what you know he could do mm-hmm. for him, but then they were they were fine without him. It, I mean, they were just fine they without him running the kind of offense that they were trying to change. So if they wanted to get younger, slightly younger, only by a few years, but younger, maybe get a guy that's just as big, can block just as well. Just, I'm just curious to see if Kendall Blanton has anything because the Chiefs very clearly wanted him last year. They mm-hmm. didn't use him anyway, but they very clearly wanted him and they got him after the second opportunity to do so. And now he's still here. So I'm just, I'm intrigued to see what's going on there. I mean this when I say it. No. One of the potential biggest camp battles we haven't talked about, and we haven't talked about it. This is really, it's, 
Shane Bouchel versus Give Ross Give the mute yeah. No, it's real. No, this it is, is, it real, is real. I I I, w- I want to be with you on this, Maddie. But no, it's, it's real. real. Shane Bouchel versus roster construction. Okay, so you've got the new rule that the you know the you know you can keep a third quarterback. You can basically make him active without making him active if both of your quarterbacks you know Brock you know get Brock Purdyed. Uh, you can go and just play your third quarterback. I don't know how much that's going to take into consideration, honestly, until it's maybe the playoffs. But I don't know if you can hold on. I don't know if you can hold on to Shane Bouchelle with some of the difficult decisions that we're talking about here. And but like, but again, here's what's so interesting: the Chiefs have actively chosen to keep Shane Bouchelle twice already in the last two seasons. They fet, they fought the Cardinals off for him, and then they kept him all last season. You, I mean, that just seems like. I, I don't know if they're just going to cut their losses after keeping him for a year and a half just to guarantee he's here. But man, you talk about wide receiver. Like you might be, they might keep Shane Bouchelle over Justin Ross. That is a real possibility that you need to be prepared for. That Justin Ross is off the, they, like you, they keep Shane Bouchelle over a seventh wide receiver or Richie James. Like, okay. like it's real. Like, they, look, so, at, go do the math. Go do the math. I'm sure we'll do the math at some point this on this show sure go do the math and try try to figure it out okay so yes you were right he is going to be directly competing with a seventh or sixth or tenth wide receiver or a tenth offensive line like he's going to be competing with other off the other players that would clearly provide more to the team throughout the year for a roster spot i 100 agree we also spend a lot of time talking about how the chiefs protected him from the cardinals how they won him around how they keep him around so on and so forth you know the chiefs have also done Paid Chad Henney $2 million to be the backup quarterback. Paid Blaine Gabbert, you know, it's that minimum, but still paid Blaine Gabbert to come in yeah. and be the backup quarterback for a team that wants to keep Shane Buchel around and that likes him so much, they're sure intent on paying veterans to be above him on the depth chart. And so, yet we said what point- last year, we said the same thing last year. What happened? At, yeah, but the, okay, but now Chad Henney was gone. Like you were free and clear to walk away. You did not no, no, no. have to I'm go saying, chase Blaine Gabbert. I'm you didn't this, have to go chase Blaine Gabbert, though. You this, didn't have know, to. If you this, like Shane Buchel, you could have given him the reins to be the backup quarterback. And you know what they said? Nah. This they time said, last year, we were having nah. the same conversation. And Chad, okay, but Chad Henney was an expiring, no, but he expired. He was a chief. He he can come in and say, hey, I still want to be here. And it's different than saying, oh, we have nobody. Let's go chase down this Tampa Bay free agent quarterback, Blaine Gabbert. It's just different. He and signed so a one-year deal, though. He only signed a one-year deal last year. That they he? don't trust him to be the backup quarterback. They've proven it. They've proven it two years guys, in a row. They I don't, don't trust him to be the disagree, but they've also kept him twice. And this, we literally had the same conversation last year. And yeah, that's and we, okay. But we talk about that every single time his name comes up, and we never talk about the fact that they're paying everybody they can to start over to be the backup over him. But that's what I'm saying. We had that conversation last year, and like Ugh. that's what's so confusing about the Shane Bouchel stuff. That is why it's so perplexing. Because Maddie, you're right, and I agree with you, and I agreed with you last year, and they kept him last year. We said, oh, that you know, they they made sure that they were going to keep him from the car or the Cardinals last year. There's no way they're going to keep three quarterbacks, right? Yep, they did. And you that's guys, why it's just like I don't you guys. Know. I don't disagree with him at all. It I, is very clear what is happening here. Oh, you, yeah. I, I I can tell this how hot and funny. bothered you guys are. Shane Buchel is a great hang. That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory. We thank you all for tuning in. Like, share, subscribe. 
drop a five star for Kent Swanson, Maddie Lane. I'm Craig Stout. Be kind to each other. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.